Hello, listeners. This is PSG Talk contributor Mark Damon, and this is PSG Small Talk for Sunday, March 18th, 2018. And what a day it was in Liga. You had four games. You had PSG playing at 8 a.m. in the morning, which, again, kind of threw off my um, Sunday morning because usually I'm not expecting to watch a PSG game that early. But I got my coffee and my bagel, and I got in front of the television, and I watched... What was a highly competitive game? I thought that PSG, for their own self-confidence in a way, needed to play a tough game on the road and figure out a way to win it. And for a large chunk of this game, I thought that they were the um, they were being dictated to by a very um, aggressive and a very smart niece. And what you could see was that Emery went with a very offensive lineup. He did not use last DR, and really hasn't used DR in a couple of games. So, no DR. So what you had was, you had Rabio playing basically as the holding midfielder. Sometimes Verratti would go there, sometimes they both would stay there. And you had Julian Draxler as one of the midfielders who could sort of link up with the attack. So it was sort of a hybrid 4-3-3 or hybrid 4-2-3-1. Now, that formation is okay in the attack. And PSG had moments in this game where I thought the passing was pretty good and I thought the link-up was really good and I thought they were getting some you know decent enough opportunities. The issue was that they were just getting countered to death and effectively countered. And the guy that was really leading the counters was Alan Saint-Maxima, the Monaco player who was uh, transferred over to Nice in late August. And I think he's come along really well. And I he got the goal for them off of a nice, quick little counter that Balotelli set up with some nice build-up play. And... For the record, Yuri got hurt in the first half, about in the first 10 minutes of the first half. So for about 35 minutes there, he was completely ineffective against the countering speed of Nice, which is why they had to take him off at the half. Back to what I was saying before, PSG had a lot of problems with Nice in this game. And with the league pretty much wrapped up, it's not a bad thing for PSG to have to play in some of these games. You don't want them to just kind of coast their way through the next eight to ten games of the season and slowly land the plane. You want them to have a little bit of turbulence. And while frustrating at times, and while PSG really did hang on a knife edge for a lot of the first half and a lot of the second half, I think they wore down Nice in the end. I thought Nice got rather defensive towards the end. I think they were happy with the point if they could get it. I thought the switch of taking Cavani off, putting Mbappe centrally, and bringing Alves up forward and putting Munier back at right back, again, it worked. And that was his big sort of tactical gamble against Real Madrid in the first leg. And it didn't pay off. And one of the reasons it didn't was because Real Madrid had the sort of cohesive counterplay late in the game that it didn't really matter who you had back there, but it, it just, Munier was exposed. 
he was not going to get exposed, especially because Saint Maxima was on the other side of the field and he was basically playing nobody since Nice kind of went to a four four two or like a four five one at that point. So it was kind of easy for PSG to switch into that sort of uh, tactical um, formation and make it work, and that's how you got Alves to the point where he could make the run to score the game-winning goal off the header in, I believe, the 82nd minute. The first goal by PSG was a really nice um, uh, bit of work by Di Maria. He nutmegged Dante, chipped it right under the keeper. That got PSG tied at 1. In the end, PSG won this game 2-1. to one. Now, as I said before, it's really important that PSG play some important, you know, physical, tough games. Because you still want to develop as the year goes on. You don't want the Champions League loss to be the end. You don't want this team to kind of coast into the end. You want them going in to the offseason with a purpose. You want them going in confident, and you want them going in feeling like they've accomplished something. And I thought this was a first good step for that. And what you were able to see was the obvious holes that we know PSG have, that we know they have to fix. And you saw the real sort of potential of Kylian Mbappe in this game. Now, he wasn't as dynamic as he was against Angers. But you saw that he had the ability to sort of control the game at certain spurts. And I thought it was the right move to play him centrally. Because quite frankly, after about the first 25 minutes or so where Cavani had some chances, he really didn't do a lot. And I feel like, and I don't want to have this conversation necessarily now. I think this is a conversation more for the end of the year. But... You really have to start asking the questions of how Edinson Cavani fits into all of this. Because, again, PSG have not had Neymar for three weeks now. And Cavani has not become any more involved in the offense than when Neymar was there. In fact, I'd say Neymar got him more involved than Di Maria or Mbappe are. So it's just interesting to see that even without Neymar, even with Cavani now kind of the elder statesman of the team and sort of the go-to attacking threat, you would think, it's really been Mbappe. And you can see how this team has sort of been fundamentally changed to the point where Cavani's now a third option, if not a fourth option, in PSG's offensive attack. So it was good to get him off because he just wasn't contributing enough in that setting. And it gave PSG a better opportunity to control the ball. And you see every time they make this switch and bring Alves farther up, PSG become better in possession. It happens almost every time. It happened against Real Madrid in the first leg. They get better in possession because now Alves can link up. Alves can cut inside. He can cut outside. He has more freedom to be a winger and a pretty good winger in spurts. Um, I thought defensively, the center backs had to be really good in this game. Kimpembe got caught up a little bit on that first goal. But besides that, I thought 
good game from Silva, good game from uh, Kimpembe, good good enough performance from Kurzawa to not totally embarrass himself against um, a very informed Sant Maxima. Um, Alves, I think, has been good. I, I think people malign Alves too much. And yes, he's had some stinkers. Like, he's had some real stinkers in some really big games. And you can't overlook that. But there's also, I think, a role for him on this team next year. And I think he'll have more limited minutes. I think a coach that can come in there and sort of convince Alves that at this point in his career, he's more effective coming into the games as a winger and playing maybe 35 to 40% of the games as the starting um, right back and letting Meunier take the majority of the Liga and the Cup games, letting Meunier develop a little bit more, and having Alves as sort of a weapon that you can unleash in certain situations. That would be the ideal scenario. Now, I'm not sure if Danny Alves is up for that, but... I think that's, in the second year of his contract, I think that's probably the way you'd want to go with all of this. Um, Rabio was not great in this game. He just wasn't. And he had a couple bad moments. He had the assist to Alves that got them the lead. But he just looks, he looks worn down. Quite frankly, he looks worn down. And I think these Real Madrid losses have sort of taken a toll on him a bit. I, I feel like he threw a lot of his energy into those games, and, I, and then he just he's just not at that sort of um, crispness. He's not at that sort of pace that you'd want him to be at. You can tell he's just sort of there, but he's not really there. And that's concerning. It, it really is. And hopefully he kind of gets over it. And, you know, kind of comes back a little bit and gives you a strong last uh, two months of the season. I mean, we'll see. And I, actually, to be completely honest, I was, I'm was i surprised at how well Marco Verratti has played since that um, uh, double yellow uh, expulsion in the second leg of the Champions League. I think he's been all right. And you wouldn't have expected, I think, Adrian Rabio to come back from that I'm sorry, you wouldn't expect Marco Verratti to come back from that and be as sort of engaged as he's been, and I think he's been fairly engaged. Rabio, it's a little more of an interesting case. And I just have to say, regardless of what happens in the summer with Angel Di Maria, I think, if nothing else, he's sort of proven his... He's proven his quality, and he's proven his... Um, dedication to the cause. It was. It's been a really good second half of the season for Angel Di Maria. He's been PSG's best player in the second half, alongside when Neymar was playing. I think if Neymar were to stay healthy, I think he would be getting better and better. I don't think they would have beaten Real Madrid, but I think he would have been in as good a form as he'd been at any point in the season. But since that's not happening, Angel Di Maria has clearly been their best, um, most consistent um, player in general. 
he had a nice Rabona pass that um, Mbappe was called off sides on. He had the goal in the game. He, he still has his moments where he's not great, but you can see that he's dedicated and you can see that he's giving an effort, whether it be to get a, you know, to get a big contract somewhere else. To me, that quite frankly is irrelevant. What's relevant is that he's giving the effort in April, in late March, early April right now for this team. And I have to give him credit for that. And I think in general, his time at PSG, while not maybe as um, maybe not as fulfilling as we thought it would be. He's had a pretty good run here, a pretty solid enough three years that you would have to say he deserves to go out with a bit of respect and dignity. And hopefully PSG will give him that, will send him to a team where he can be successful, where he can thrive and he can continue to have a good career. Or if he wants to stay and be a, you know, a role player, he can stay and be a role player. Nothing wrong with that, but I'm not sure that's what Angel Di Maria wants. Um, so PSG are now at 83 points in the league. That's the most points they've had at this juncture in the league ever. And the highest they ever had was the 15-16 season where they were at 77 points by the 31st um, game. Now, it's also good to point out that by this time in that season, PSG had already wrapped up the league. Mathematically had the league won. Now, I think this year has been a hell of a lot more impressive than that year was, even though PSG made the quarterfinals of the Champions League that year, because... They are just dominating this league. And this league is as good as it's been maybe in two decades. Maybe since the glory years of Marseille in the early 90s. It's a really good league. And if you watched OMOL today, those were two very good teams. They're not um, Champions League kind of worthy teams yet, but they're very good teams. Monaco has been really good in this second half. And if PSG did not get the early lead in the league that they had, Monaco might be creeping up on him right now. Monaco are in really good form. Ronnie Lopez is scoring. Um, you've got good play from Toma Lamar. You've got good play from Stevan Jovetic. And this is all without Radamel Falcao, which is, you know, maybe one of the reasons PSG are looking at Leonardo Jardim, because this guy just keeps winning games. This guy just takes the players he has, knows how to put them into a system, and knows how to get the best out of them. And it'll be interesting to see, because PSG will get Monaco two more times. They'll get him in the Coupe de la Ligue final, which is two weeks from yesterday. It'll be on the 31st of March, after the international break is over. And PSG will look to win their second trophy of the campaign. They won the Trophy de Champion against Monaco. They will try to beat Monaco for the Coupe de la Ligue against... Uh, sorry, let me say that again. They will try to beat Monaco in the Coupe de la Ligue final on the 31st. And if PSG beats Saint-Étienne on the 6th, 
which will be their first game back in the league, they will have the opportunity at the Parc des Princes on April the 15th to win the title and clinch it by beating Monaco. So for three of their titles this season, they will have the opportunity more than likely to beat Monaco to get them or secure them, which I think is a really um, cool way to secure the Liga trophy in general. I think if they can beat the champions at home and celebrate the seventh Liga trophy with the fans, that would be a really good moment in PSG history. And it wouldn't take away all the sting of Real Madrid, but it would it would give us a moment that I think would be really, really special. So I hope that comes to fruition. I hope PSG get that opportunity. If they beat Saint-Étienne, they will. And at that point now, you've clinched the league. And the next goal, I think, and I, I feel this is a legitimate goal, I think they should try to get 100 points in the league. It's only been done about two or three times in major European leagues. And their last seven games are Saint-Étienne on the road, Monaco at home, Bordeaux on the road, um, Gangomp at home, Amiens on the road. Um, I'm I'm blanking on one. The last game is against Comp on the road. The last home game, sorry, I'm just oh yeah, I got it. Was against Ren. So I'll go through more. So I'll go through them in order again. Saint Etienne, Monaco. Bordeaux, Gangam, Amiens, Rennes, and Caen. So a very good chance if PSG wins six of their last seven, which I think they can do with that schedule, they will reach the vaunted 100-point mark. So a lot to look forward to going ahead. This is the final international break before the World Cup. and I'd like to announce now that PSG Talk will be involved in covering the World Cup in whatever, you know, what whatever our style is, that's how we're going to cover it. So I'm trying to get a whole bunch of things together a lot more. <clears throat> I'm trying to get some podcasts lined up ahead of time to preview the World Cup. I'm going to be doing, um, I guess we'll call it something. It doesn't have a name yet, but I'll be doing audio updates during the World Cup, probably every other day or so, reviewing what happened. Hopefully, I'll have a co-host or a, or a regular guests that will come on. We'll be I'll be doing some articles about the World Cup. Hopefully, some of our um, fellow contributors will do some World Cup stuff as well. An exciting time in the world of PSG. An exciting time in the world of PSG talk, and an exciting time for football in general. So a lot to look forward to. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for the latest updates on what we will do for the World Cup in the summer of 2018, which is now only about three more months away. Make sure to go to the website, psgtalk.com. Visit our Patreon page. One dollar would do us a lot of good. And it means that you're part of the team. And we want to know how many of you are part of the team. One dollar a month. 
will give you access to certain perks that are on the way, which we'll talk about more when they are more concrete. And make sure to listen to our latest PSG Talking podcast, in case you haven't, where they discuss um, the Real Madrid loss and what's next. And make sure to um, look out for another podcast, which will happen probably sometime next week, about probably on Saturday or so. I will be doing a long-form discussion about who the next PSG coach should be. I'll try to get a guest or two. We'll go through each candidate. We'll do the pluses and the minuses. We'll put a um, we'll put a percentage on if they we think they they are a possible, probable, unlikely or likely candidate, and we'll have some fun with that. So for PSG Talk, this has been Mark Damon. Au revoir for now.